Welcome everyone to the Trail Running Ireland podcast highlight show. Owen Flynn here and what an interview we had in episode 16 with Michael Kelly. Michael who told us the incredible story of him battling alcohol and thankfully beating it and going on to run for Ireland in world and European championships as well as having a very good road and cross country career. We have that interview coming right up and before we do a shout out and a thank you to our podcast sponsor Chorus who this week announced a partnership with the world's greatest marathon runner Elliot Kipchoge no less who said that for his training and his racing at the moment he's wearing the Pace 2 the Chorus Pace 2 which is the lightest GPS watch on the market so make sure to check out Chorus's um, social media channels and their new UK and Ireland website as well to learn more about their fantastic range of products their GPS watches who have the best battery life in the market and next week we have a really super interview coming up with one of the world world's greatest ultra and endurance athletes also a chorus global ambassador so make sure to tune in next week to find out who that is i won't reveal it just yet but for now though it's the brave sometimes sad but incredibly powerful story of mick kelly For this week's special guest interview, we're going to change pace a little bit. We're going to talk to Michael Kelly. Michael's name might not be at the top of race results at the moment, like a lot of our previous guests on the podcast this year. But there was a golden period back in the mid-2000s where Michael Kelly from Carlow was regularly on podiums in road and cross-country races all around the country and also on the mountains as well. He won the Irish Senior Mountain Running Championships and he represented Ireland and the green jersey with distinction on numerous occasions in major international mountain running championships. But before his running career really took off, Michael was an alcoholic and was in a very, very dark place. Running made a massive positive and life-changing impact on his life. And at the moment when things have been so tough for many people listening this year, Hopefully Michael's story now will inspire and show that there is always light at the end of the tunnel, no matter how dark that tunnel may be. Michael Kelly, everybody. Michael, you're very welcome to the show. Michael, you've been a great supporter of the show with little messages of support every now and again. So so thank you for that, Michael, and thank you for offering to come on to tell us your story. No problem. I love the show. It's kind of listen to it in all my runs maybe over the hour um, I, every show I haven't missed one I listen to a lot of podcasts and look at I find find your one brilliant because it's uh, you have your you have your dietitians and you have your all your runners like Ian Conroy Barry and uh, geez I really really enjoy it now so um, so well done on on your and and, and so far so good and best look into the future for the podcast oh thanks a bit Michael and Michael I thought that we'd start your own story today with maybe when your own running career started back in the late 90s. What age were you then and what was life like back in Carlo then? Uh, life, was, life, was, life was kind of always good as a young lad. I, I um, kind of from, the, from the age of 10 up, I, I would have played uh, a lot of soccer, centre midfield, kind of poor man's Vinnie Jones, you could have called me, I suppose. It was a kind of a hatchet man. And uh, I, I, and then I would have played a lot of GA and hurling. wasn't great at hurling. It was decent enough at the football as a GA. I was a midfielder. I 
always had a guy beside me that would be a bit more skillful, but I would have been the kind of workhorse in the in the set in the two midfielders, and the guy beside me would be the kind of more skillful guy. So I up to the, up to the age of probably. Um, yeah, as you say, into the uh, maybe two thousand and three, two thousand and four, I, I kept playing football and, and 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 a bit of soccer and a bit of hurling, and I kind of mixed in a bit of running in with it. I, I always remember uh, one of my GA coaches saying to me, um, he said, "Look, we have a junior football final on Saturday. I don't want you going out now on Friday and doing doing ten miles." You know, which was kind of a regular occurrence, and I always kind of did the, did the mileage. Um, even though I was never competing and all that kind of stuff, I, I always kind of did the mileage, but um, not, I would never count it as mileage. Just going out for a run, like just recording maybe for a, from a hard session for the GA or the soccer or the hurling or whatever. And and that was just um, kind of, and I mixed in the running a bit uh, and and that, that was more, more or less it there. I had a really kind of good upbringing. Um, mother and father were brilliant. Uh, two sisters, uh, two brothers and sister. Um, but, you know, I, I, I kind of from, from uh, when when I start going going out and uh, maybe socialising, I felt I, I always had kind of problems from the start on, on that scene. We're painting the picture, Michael, that you know you had a great family upbringing. You were a, a, an all-round sports star back then. Maybe you were you know one of the important players of the GA team. Played football. You were an up-and-coming athlete as well. But there was this big dark shadow that was there beside you as well. Um, the demon of the drink. Um, when when did those problems, Michael, start? Oh, look, I suppose, unlike any young lad that was going out at 16 or 17, I was never, I didn't start like real young or anything like that. I never, never would have drank when I was back 13, 14 or anything like that. And you'd hear loads of that. Like, but I was kind of more, more maybe uh, 16, 17 even, I'd say, and before school disco and all that. But I just felt from the start that I, 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 you know, no matter how long the night was, it uh, kind of couldn't be long enough. And I, you know, the, the, coming out of the pub, then I'd have to buy a nag and a whiskey and drink that out in the street and kind of go home and and end up I'd end up uh, drinking a home bug or whatever be there. I know my mum, my mum would have kind of hid stuff in the end, but like it was cute enough too that I would have uh, would have always kind of bought maybe bought one and made, had a stash and I would have bought, maybe bought one at the bar in the night and bring it back home all that kind of stuff so it was a really really big problem um, from the very start I'd say it was I think um, everyone thought it was a really confident bloke but it, it, um, in the inside I really wasn't um, I kind of used it for I used the drink maybe to you know when you're maybe chatting up women or that kind of stuff and uh, it was just uh, using it for that kind of confidence thing and I suppose looking back on it maybe wasn't the right thing to do was there any awareness, Michael, that it was a very serious problem, that it was alcoholism, or were you just going with the flow, bouncing from weekend to, to weekend? You said when we were talking beforehand that you were like a cat with nine lives, you were getting in fights, um, going to parties, but you were still getting up and training well and starting off this brilliant running career at the same time. Were you aware of the problem that you had, or were you just pushing on through? Yeah, I always, I was just, uh, I, I, I kind of always was something in the back of my head saying drink wasn't good for me, but I uh, still couldn't, uh, couldn't shake it. Uh, I just felt that there was, 
it was too much of importance for me going out and and um you know i i just felt that it, it, it again it was the confidence thing going out and just you know and, and i was always the life and soul of the party with the first guy up in the bar dancing with me shirt off and all that kind of stuff and but that was grand that was that was the early stages but it really you know just just sneaked up on me i'd say it was kind of me basically drinking every day and every night and uh weekends i was i was I, you might my mom and dad mightn't see me for kind of maybe three four days that kind of stuff it was just really really sneaking up on me um drinking at home getting into fights coming in uh uh you know often come into the yard and maybe dad would be just getting up to work and i'd come in like with a with me, uh, shirt full of blood like from fighting and me face and in in and you know battered up and all that kind of stuff really was was it was just what it was one week after another and it was the very same thing for 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 three years i'd say it was more even and it was just, I just kind of, I just, I definitely got to a stage where I, I, I didn't really want to be uh, kind of around anymore, but because uh, it was such a disappointment to my family and um, and to my brother and sisters uh, who like were really, really nice people up along and they just didn't, I shouldn't have, you know, I shouldn't have done that to them really, but I um, made up for in the since all right, but, but like uh, they saw a lot of stuff as well that they shouldn't have saw, you know, really. Sure. And then there was maybe a turning point, Michael, around 2003, when you had moved to New Digs. I think you had done a course in gym management. You were really beginning to perform well in training, despite all the poison that was in your system and racing was beginning to go well. But you just couldn't escape the demons of the drink and you ended up in a Garda station in Carlo. Maybe you could tell us what happened around that weekend. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, it was. Um, it was one of the uh, one of the good courses there, uh, gym management and, and kind of all that kind of stuff. Nutrition. It was one of the best ones I could have got. I, I without uh, having a really high qualification. So, uh, like my dad and mum were delighted to God, and and I, 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 um, I just, I remember my dad. We we packed a lot of stuff in the car, bro, and and I was staying with a staying with a friend of mine up there till I got got into my main digs and and and. Um, took off uh, and we, we unpacked and, and dad went on and he was really happy and I suppose it was just two days into the course and ended up you know I went down to the down to the pub and we finished early one day and ended up like just get drinking maybe 10-15 pints again and 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 going to the nightclub then and and um, I came out of the nightclub and I broke I must have broke 10 windows down along the down along the street and just I mean it was just crazy really um, and and they got taken away back to Carlo and ended up like you know in the cell for the night and um, I don't know we got fired off the course for one thing uh, that that was finished and I just my dad came mom came in for me then at early in the morning and and, um, and I got into the car when they come out and and just like uh, I suppose my mom said nothing but my dad just looked back at me and, and uh, he just he just had this look of sympathy. Uh, he, he he never said he never was angry or never said a thing. But he just looked at me and said, "You know, um, I think this guy has a problem. We have to help him." So um, I was kind of just getting a bit emotional thinking about it now. But but it was uh, it was kind of just the way he looked at me. And uh, to this day, you know, I I have that. Um, I see that I see him looking back at me, even though he's 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 passed away now and all. But I see him kind of looking back at me if anything goes wrong and just, you know, kind of had that look 
uh, a dad look, you know, just saying, you know, I'm here for you. So I'm sure I'm sure it must have been hard for him, Michael, because as you said, hard for everybody, because as you said, you were from a very good family, a very loving family, good support. You were good at sports as you were growing up. And it doesn't show just how easy it is maybe for, for anybody. You just never know when you might fall victim to yeah. some form of addiction, whether it's alcohol or yeah. or drugs or or what depression, anxiety, whatever it might be, you, you just never know. You, you just can't tell because there, there was no indication, was there, that that you were going to fall into this vicious cycle? Not not when it was not not when it was it, it, like you know growing up ten up ten year old 13, 13 14, 15, Not because I worked on the farm at home and was I was brilliant to working on the farm and. Has just been a start going out. I said my dad like knew that you know I was going things were going to go wrong and I was not not going to be interested in the farm anymore and all that. It was just just like it just my life completely changed uh, when I when I when I start going out. So I suppose the point in the whole thing is, you know, I suppose kids today. If I saw if I went up through the town of my own local town and there was a, there was a, someone fell across the street, I just you know it's nearly a learning curve in a way. I I tried to help him, but I mean I just so I suppose. It, I nearly had to go through it to, to come out the other end and, and, and be a stronger person, really. Um, it was an awful thing to go through, but I, I, I suppose, look, I just had to get, had to go, I mean, I mightn't be around today, but still I am. And I suppose, look, I, I just kind of was maybe strong enough in the end just, just to get through it. Like, and sports you know, and, and running, Michael, actually helped keep you alive, I think, didn't it? And um, did, running, run, running in one way, yeah. going training helps you to sweat all the alcohol out of your system. But you also mentioned that in one way, sport didn't help. And uh, the GAA team at the time, that was actually an environment where the lads were going drinking after games. Yeah, um, yeah. And that for an alcoholic just doesn't help at all and no. you actually you went to talk to your to your teammates i i i said that again going back to that look me like give me i just said like if something came across me that driving back down in the car that day just something came across me saying jesus christ i said like um i'm, I'm gonna have to do something there already or i'm gonna put my parents in nearly grave like and i said like you know they were just i just could see that the pain in dad's face like he's just wasn't the man he was even and um so I I I kind of went look thing the the weekend then there was a game of soccer and I was captain of the team and um as you said GA I was involved in the two but just happened to be in soccer and I was centre midfield for the soccer team and I was captain and I was you know I wasn't that I wasn't the captain that goes around talking the whole time and just shouting and I was just a nice captain as well as just got on with people and um so look at there was a game and I um. I came in and like I said, as normal as was, he could have expected me to tug out, but I, I didn't tug out, you know. And I just I'd made the decision beforehand that I was going to give up the GA and the soccer. That yeah. like I had to, I had to make a make a stand of not going near a pub like nightclubs yeah. and stuff. I had, I had to just walk away from those. And um I suppose I <laughs> the day of the soccer anyway, the, before the game uh, I I um I remember like we we I just kind of call the guys and and before right out on the pitch and just there were I just told him to get around the circle and I just went in the middle of it and I said uh guy just said it won't be won't be talking out or won't be playing anymore. Just said I've <coughs> I have a problem with the drink and um I had to give it up. And you know I, I kind of I um I'm kind of revisiting it there now but I I, I just 
I suppose it came out of the circle and the guys were I was kind of crying and the guys were just giving me a clap and and you know and that was that was it I suppose look at the all the all the guys uh, I I did nothing against any the, all the guys drink probably this day and I'd never have any, I'd never have anything against anyone drinking but just wasn't I I had to call kind of say to myself it wasn't for me in the yeah. end and that was that was that day was the day that my life changed yeah and Michael aren't you so lucky in one way. Mm. That it was only not only three or four years, but it was three or four years of of horrible drinking. But a lot of people aren't as lucky, and they can go through their whole lives as an alcoholic. But thankfully, and I don't know maybe what the reason is. I don't know if you know the reason that thankfully you managed to nip it in the bud at a very early stage, and you had that inner strength to gather your teammates of the soccer team, apologies, I said the GAA team before, the soccer yeah, team. No, that was all right. I was pissed GAA at the time as well, but look, I had to, I had to just yeah. give it all up, I suppose, at the time. Yeah, morning, you know? sure, sure. And, and you managed to say it to your peers, which is must have been the hardest and the bravest thing to do, that, listen, guys, sorry, I just can't participate in this anymore. As much as I love yeah. football, yeah. this yeah. isn't good for me. Where do you think that inner strength came from Michael because a lot of people can go all their lives without wanting to change and I think for an alcoholic no matter who says it to you whether it's your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister it has to come from you inside doesn't it it did come from me inside but look at it uh, I suppose the driving point behind the whole thing was um, the driving point uh, the driving point behind the whole thing was my dad like just you know, I I just I just knew that he wanted me to to to, to do something, and uh, I had to do it. You know, just had to do yeah. it. Do it for him, and do it for my mom, and do it for my brother and sisters, and and you know, um, we, uh, to me, family's everything, and I I had to I had to change, or you know, it's just I don't know where I would have ended up otherwise. I know, I mean, I kind of touched on a point there where, um, which in maybe a few days ago, but hers, you know, I I. I I did um, have a cry for help where, where you know, I, I did something and unfortunately uh, my mum and dad were there to see that as well. And, you know, coming back to that wasn't a nice thing for them to see, but again, I suppose it was just one of these things that I'm around now and I mightn't have been around, you know, I, had to, I ended up in the hospital that day as well. And uh, just, just you know, in the, just in the earlier stages there, that, that, that happened as well. And, you know, I just had a really kind of, uh, I suppose, look at just just a terrible time, really. How many years, Michael, did all of that go on for? Um, and w- what age were you, Michael? In your early twenties, I think, wasn't it? Um, I suppose, uh, like I mean, it was um, probably from up to up to twenty 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 four, twenty five. I suppose that 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 kind of thing was going on. Um, maybe from. From the age of seventeen, but look at the. I'm not. You can't really say seventeen because when you start out, uh, like you're just like any normal kid, like just going out yeah. for discos and all that kind of stuff. So you really can't count those years. It's just when things, when it got a grip to me, you know what I mean. And as you said, and you said the truth there. I mean the running, uh, I suppose, and the bit of training for the GA, the running when I was sweating it out my system, and the endorphins that I was getting through the running was probably just what kept. It was just I was just probably on the borderline, but it just kept me alive. I think, Michael, are we more or less the same age, Michael? I was born in 1980, and so I'm 40 now. What year were you uh, born in? I, I was, I was, not, I'm 1974, so you know, I was, okay, I'm, so different, yeah, 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 1974, yeah. I was born, and so okay. I was kind of, you know, uh, so you're talking, say, 
late. You would have been in your late twenties around then. Late twenties. Yeah, probably, maybe it would have been a bit bit older. Yeah, I think sometimes the <laughs> I'm not great calculating the years, especially looking yeah. back on it. Probably there's probably times where where my mind almost went. So I I I, I suppose yeah, it could have been maybe 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 into my later twenties. Maybe then, as as you said, on yeah, definitely. And yeah. um, well, well, Michael, you managed to turn that addiction to alcohol into a wonderful addiction for running and you went to see a counselor you you got help you had that internal drive and from those horrible dark places where you were you had four or five if not more and you're still running a course now but you had four or five stellar years where it it just took off for you and what 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 a dose of healthy medicine that must have been all those great results and maybe could you talk to us about what happened next post the the team meeting with the football team and yeah when you decided yeah. to, to, to try and make things better yeah got a, got a bit of got a bit got a bit of counseling on and, and um it definitely helped me uh just to kind of he just told me things that would have helped me and and um i suppose look at at the end there's only so long that could go on for and it probably went on for six months maybe seven months something like that and then i said to myself look at feel that I'm, I'm 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 i just told him i feel i'm okay now you know i think i'm i think i need to i need to move this way move this along on my own now that that you know that i can't be there i can't be dependent on you for the rest of my life so i, I said feel kind of i'm off the drink i feel confident i feel strong and you know i can never get too confident because you could go back to where you are really quick but um yeah. but uh, but i but i I had that kind of tunnel vision then for the running when I liked it and I had given up the GA and and soccer and all that and and you know I had kind of me I suppose although I still didn't touch my my older friends and still still do to this day I, I had to meet new 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 group I suppose and and um and I suppose look at it, I was with Lawrence O'Toole's and Carlo but I suppose I'd have to say Gorn would be my main club and Liam Keeley kind of took me under his wing there Liam was brilliant and and um I kind of and I I. As I said, I finished the council then I tunnel vision into the run and I was working as well, of course. But I um you know, I, I kinda of started doing kind of 60, 70 mile a week and got maybe to 80 mile a week and was doing a lot of speed sessions, doing doing everything right and my nutrition right. And I suppose the breakthrough came for me then at a race down Tom Mel where where I was up again the great Brian Mara, you know, Brian yourself and yeah. and, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 um and I went down there and I ran nineteen thirty three for four miles, which was kind of it's not like it's not like Irish class or anything like that, but like at the, for me at the time, like to run nineteen thirty three, like was 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 good because I wouldn't have been the fastest guy. I was a lot better on cross country, so whatever I was going to do on the road, I was going to go ahead of a lot better on the cross country. And I felt like when I was down at nineteen thirty three on the road in nineteen thirty whatever it was, I felt like that I like really could go well on the cross country and. And um, look at Liam Keeley kind of just kept encouraging me. And Liam, I, I mean, I don't know if you know Liam, but Liam, Liam was after really over the years. He, he's been at every Olympic Games, I think, up to 10 years ago. And he kind of, he's after taking a lot of kids like in and, and, and making brilliant athletes out in both at long distance, sprinting, uh, jumping, long jumps, all that, everything. So like Liam was always very good to me. And and he always used to kind of give me videos and the videos were back then you had video players and he'd give me videos of the, the Olympics he was at and you know like Frank O'Mara run and Marcus Sullivan they got got a bit of inspiration from those guys and in Coughlin and all that. 
And, and, and it all worked, Michael, didn't it? Because only a couple of months later, I think in January 2005, you, you let out the All-Ireland Intermediate Cross Country for, for the majority of the 9,600 metres as you were telling me during the week. And, and he only just got caught by Emmett Dunleavy. Um, Emmett's another classy runner as well. And Liam O'Halloran. Um, but you still made the podium. You still got bronze medal in a national Intermediate Cross Country. And that must have been a special day. It was uh, just going back to small bit. Like the, I, I, I had made a breakthrough in the cross country in in, in, in in the same season, in the same cross country season. I think it'd be counted as the same season. But I ran the national novice in 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 Belvedere House in Mullingar. Okay. There was about three hundred competitors that day. It was absolutely savage. I remember the. I remember like it was like uh, it was like you know maybe the breeders cup, the horses coming out. It was like the shoots, yeah. you know the shoots. I was really and uh, that day, um, that day Alan McCormack won. And Braemar was second, and I made the podium. I was third. I was delighted because it was a faster race. I think it was done over maybe six kilometers, and that really gave me the kind of a, just the, the, the love for the cross country, like the real the speed, like of that day, like it was really fast. Like as you know yourself, Braemar is a brilliant runner, and yeah. McCormack, and McCormack, I think that season might have. I think the year after that he would have maybe. I don't know, I think he was on the podium in the senior cross country, so he was a pretty good runner. And yeah. then, if you, as you said, then I come on to the, the, the following, and the same season, then in January, um, that was probably my best favourite race of all, because that was in Carlow and Tinner Island uh, course, and, and, and I led Home for, um, Yeah, pardon? In, in home turf, in, in your home, home ground, turf, maybe? Yeah, it, was, it, was home, it was home turf, and and, and, and look, at it, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a little bit about the race, uh, Owen. I... I I warmed up and and I remember talking to Brian and Brian really, Brian Murray wasn't really up for it that day. It was a little bit of cutting the ground and I knew Brian like like just to run on the fast surface and I said, look, I'm going to give this a go now here and I didn't know who was in the race really. I, I wasn't one for for picking out who was in it or anything like that. I just said, I said to myself from the start, I was going to go from the gun, and I went from the gun and Jesus, I I I, I led from the gun to nine thousand six hundred meters. You say four hundred meters to go. I remember coming up along the fat the, the, the hill to the finish there was a kind of a hill up and it was like I tell you what like I, I liken it to just for this just for the people listening I liken it to the Tour de France on the Alpha Duez it's people coming out and I couldn't really run through them there's people going come on Kelly come on you know like that they were come on Kelly you have to go now so I just had I just really had nothing left in me um and Emmett as you know like would have a hell of a lot quicker kick than me and he would be a better miler than me and I, I just could sense him coming and and I just give it everything I could and lean past me as well but like when I went over the lane I was just I was so happy to make the podium because like, it could be so many good runners behind me and I met and, and I remember Liam Keeley my coach jumped in on top of me and 20 other people jumped in and then and I, we couldn't breathe at the bottom of the pile and Liam said to me I remember Liam saying to me I can remember well he said he said Mick don't ever forget this day he said you're after making me one proud man yeah, yeah, and here we are, Michael. Here we are, sixteen seasons later, sixteen years later, still talking about it. And I'm sure everybody that's listening, maybe when they're out jogging and they're listening into us now, um, they're thinking of those great cross country days or mountain Sorry. racing days where there's people out on the course supporting you. In and um, we all certainly miss those those days now. At the minute, don't we? Um, but I, I wanted to touch on Michael as well. A, a very important supporter that you had. You mentioned your coach Liam there. But your dad was also a big influence in all those races for you as well. He, he was the, he was your number one fan. He was there. 
Yeah. And I was wondering if you could tell us about the the very special weekend in one way where you had a, a super big win, but it was also a very sad, poignant uh, moment for yourself and all yeah. the family as well. Yeah. Well, well from the, from the, as you said, my daddy was the biggest supporter and anywhere ma, anywhere dad went, mum went. So the two of them were always at every race. I'd say they didn't miss one race. And, um, you know, they just didn't miss one race. And, and I remember, like, even uh, dad would, Dad would have made more friends, I'd say, in in the cross country and the and the and the, and the road races than 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 um than, than I did myself. Nearly, he was just he was so popular going around. He, he used to love maybe you know the bit of an old presentation after, and he'd be just he'd be so chuffed, you know, if he got maybe on the podium or all that kind of stuff. And he was, I was really really top class, you know. We kept, I tell you, whatever happened in the past, we became. We became unbelievable friends, and uh, and always my dad. But we were kind of, you know, we we're best friends then as well. And 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 look at he was he was he was just a number one supporter. But then, as you say, we went to the Iron Islands. Um, we packed up on one Friday evening. Um, my my brother Shay and my sister Ev, and myself and my dad and my mom stayed at home just to keep an eye on the cattle on the farm and the sheep and stuff. So, um, someone had to stay. So my mom my mom made the decision to stay. So. We we went on anyway, and um, it was a ten kilometer on the Iron Islands. And Sonia Sullivan was going to run in the women's, and and I didn't know who was going to be in the men's. But um, we 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 got into a bed and breakfast Friday night. We had a great kind of night. We went out for a bit of a walk, and and uh, we came back and and went to bed and had a nice breakfast next morning. Went down to the the race headquarters, then warmed up, and geez, I ended up winning the winning the race anyway. And Sonia was won the women's, and Dad always wanted to meet Sonia because. Sonia and Roy Keane were, were dad's two favourite sports people of all time and um, he was a big Man United supporter and, and he was an old Trafford even and so um so he met Sonia, he spoke to her for about 20 minutes or he was like a kid in a candy shop so he was and Jesus, yeah. uh, we went home, I came, uh, my sister and brother went back to Dublin to college and my dad and me went back then, we stopped in Lockgrave for food and went home and the next day then I just went out for a bit of a bit of a the recovery run, and we're going to come back then to watch the Australia and Ireland rugby match. And I just said, "Mum, we'll come back to Dad around." And he wasn't like, and it was kind of he'd be such a good timekeeper. I tell you, he'd be there, he'd be there, and that'd be it. He'd be just so honest like that. So, um, we went kind of to look for him then, and we looked to call. Long story short, we 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 found him on the field. He was driving the tractor, and he was kind of moving one of the sheep feeders, and he ended up. He got a sudden heart attack on the tractor and he, he died. Um, I suppose that's that's a day that kind of changed our lives forever. Yeah. And for yourself, Michael, like when you have such a a low, sad moment like that, um, or even say before your dad passed away, I don't know if you ever picked up an injury or if you ever had a bad result. Are you ever tempted to have a drink again when those sad horrible moments arrive like when your dad passed away or or were you actually you were cured in one way so to speak um that you're okay were you, were you free of the drink 100 by then i was i was the one i was i was completely free of it I, there was there was yeah. a point in, there was there was a point in my life that even i uh, maybe at maybe at the christening or something i could have one bottle and that'd be it and i was able to do that but okay yeah. Uh, yeah i was able to do that but it ended up that uh, on, I, I just felt that what the best thing for me was just to 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 to, to even even that even that kind of stuff because if what thing, one thing went wrong I could go back and I just said to myself so 15 years ago um 
my my wife and I just my wife actually gave up give up drink completely for me as well she did that yeah. for me and we i just complete complete i haven't I haven't had one drink in, in 15 years never never a drink through my lips thank god ah, brilliant. You know? and and we yeah. were talking about your dad being your number one supporter michael did he get to see you qualify to run for ireland he did. It was one. There was one qualifier where, where I remember. Actually, it was so thrilled. Like he'd, be, he'd have the he'd have the Irish flag up outside the when they be away. Then he'd have the Irish yeah. flag up outside the farm. Really? And, yeah, yeah, and he'd he'd, he'd put up when as soon as he'd be gone, as soon as he'd be gone out the gate, he'd be have the Irish flag up. He might he wouldn't he wouldn't do it when I be there because he think it'd make me nervous. So he'd do it when I was gone because my mum would have, my mum would have told me after that he just the minute I'd be gone he'd put up the Irish flag. Like, he'd stick it up and he'd have a bit of tape and he'd stick it up in the gate. You know. Sure, and that's sure. no, that kind of just that kind of mentality, you know. He was just such a nice man. Yeah, yeah, great. Right. And, and tell us, Michael, how many many times did you get to run for Ireland? Because it's a wonderful story. Somebody who had you know all that trouble back in the early days, they managed to turn around. You managed to turn it around, and he got to run for Ireland um, in the mountain running championships. How many yeah. times did you get to run for Ireland, Michael? Um, do you have the stats? I, 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 I look at something that I suppose look at that. I, I have all my shorts down there, well tucked away. I suppose look at that, I probably ran five or six times altogether, five or six caps, I'd say, maybe, maybe seven. But I'll tell you, I, mer- I remember uh, winning the, the winning the All Ireland down in Wicklow. Um, Robbie Bryson was second and Gary was third, Gary Crossing. And I was so happy that day. I think about Robbie by two seconds or three seconds. And Robbie was a uh, Robbie Lake was a real hero of mine. It's not that I knew too much about, but I knew Robbie. Robbie was brilliant, like and 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 then I had the pleasure of going out to Turkey on, on international, um, you know, or whatever it was. I think it was a world championship, and I, and look, he was such a gentleman towards me. He gave me a lot of tips before the race, and I roomed with him actually. Gary and myself and himself roomed together, and yeah. um, I've never in my I tell you, I just. Two, two absolute gentlemen. I just uh, I remember that. I remember that one in Turkey for some reason. It was just so good. I, I know I've often heard you on the podcast, and you were mentioning like you know going away with the mountain runners. It's not like yeah. it really. No, it, it's the best. Uh, to my favorite yeah. running memories, Michael, as well. And I think and I, it, I got my first yeah. cap in 2010. So probably only just missed you, maybe by maybe we, by we two seasons. We missed each other, but then you were you were a different type of runner than I was. I wasn't like I mean you were yeah. you were you were you were much kind of faster miler than I was. You were probably just doing the different races that time maybe, and you ended up yeah. kind of doing the marathons and stuff. I never really went near the marathons and and yeah. um, and just just going back to that trip in Turkey, I'll tell you who was there as well. On and Jesus, I tell you, sure, I suppose she, she hasn't. I, I've spoken to her, missed her a few times there in the last few years, but she hasn't really changed much since she was. She's such a really, really nice person, even though she's a brilliant, brilliant athlete. Now, uh, Michelle Finn was there. Okay. Absolute, yeah. absolute lady. Yes, brilliant. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and congratulations to her and all the success she's after having. Sure. And I know that you have three kids, Michael, as well. And um, do they ever get to see your Irish singlets? Did, do you ever take them out and tell them, listen, daddy, daddy used to run for Ireland? Um, they, have do. You, they do. Have they you know all right, definitely. Yeah. They know all right. And I tell you, I, I suppose, I. Maybe I don't. There's some kind of I suppose I, maybe there's some kind of modesty in me that way that I don't really. I don't know. I just something that I suppose it's more. It's nearly more dear to me than the this time when else, you know that kind of way. So I yeah. don't really. I never really 
spouting her out, I spouted about with her aunt like that. I just kind of, you know, I did this and I know on my own head I did it. And I know on my own head I did 1933 for four miles. I know on my own yeah. head that I did, you know, different things. So it's good enough for me to kind of know my own head. And, and I, but my kids do know, and I'm sure, look what they have, they're, they kind of do their own things. They're, they're into the soccer, the dancing, the shot put and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I never really put pressure on them to run because people would be saying to me, and Mick Kelly there, sure. Jeez, uh, his kids would definitely be running. So no, they didn't though, you know. And I, I, and they didn't. I brought them up to Gorm once, that, and they didn't like it. And when they didn't like it, I didn't put pressure on them to do it. Yeah, and she, you never know because you haven't put that pressure on them. They might decide to do it themselves, maybe when they're a little bit older, and uh, maybe start a little bit later. But Michael, I was yeah, going to ask you as well, since since those that glory decade those wonderful couple of years when you were on podiums and and making irish squads what has the decade been like um like since then from 2010 maybe 2020 has running still played a part in your life i uh, yeah yeah or running always played a part in my life today i die uh because um like even at the moment there i like and there's no competitions on but i'm i think i'm just one of these guys that really doesn't mind that uh, i i go out and do at the moment, they do maybe 60 miles a week, and it's mostly basically all easy running. I'd go up the mountains there, I'd maybe you know, I do a tempo the odd time, but it's mostly easy running. I, I really, really enjoy it. Like, I go down, I get my work done in the morning, maybe, and then I had I plan it out and go down for an hour down to the barrel line down, you know, he'd be running that kind of just beside the barrow there on the, on the grass. So, you know, I, I just I put on that, put on the podcast and that, and I just really, really enjoy it. And look at it, I mean. I think it's such an important tool to have. Um, uh, even uh, I suppose I've seen some of the even would say Seamus Power. I've seen some of the guys that uh, give that were brilliant runners and they don't run anymore. But uh, for me, I don't think I could. I could. I couldn't. I couldn't do that because it makes me feel so good. You know, I just I just feel good after a run. You know, and have a shower and then you be like a new penny really. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I know now, like, there's not many competitions and races on, but I've been saying it for a couple of weeks in the podcast that just don't worry about the racing and the competitions at the moment and just do what you're doing there, which is just getting out and enjoying your running and enjoying your training. And, you know, the, the races will, will come back, but it's certainly not the most important thing. And Michael, I was going to finally maybe just ask you, and before I ask you the final question, just to say, a big thank you for for sharing your story with us and i'm sure you, you'll inspire and, and motivate and help a lot of people that are listening and maybe that's what i was going to ask you just last michael that for anybody that's listening that's going through some tough times at the minute whether it's alcohol depression and um, gambling addiction has become very very strong and powerful in the last couple of years as well unfortunately is there any message, Michael, that you would like to say to them or even any message you would like to say to family members maybe as well because you, you certainly went through it all? Well, uh, I think for the, for, for the younger person listening, if there's any problems, um, you know, when you're 17, 18 to 20, I think the big mistake I made back then, and please, look, at it, I'm so happy that I can just say to you now that maybe someone's listening, uh, some young person, young girl or boy is listening or, you know, Young, young man or young woman, that I didn't, I didn't talk to people. I didn't, didn't. I kept it all inside my head, uh, and I never, never. I failed. Uh, I failed badly on that account because if I had to talk to someone that time about you know whatever the problem was, uh, you know, I just felt that I was drinking for a reason to maybe to dull a bit of pain in some ways. I don't know what it was really, but but I could have talked to 
them when they were in the early stages, maybe when I was 17, 18, and it might, might help me a lot. And I didn't. And I failed at that. And I just, if there's anyone listening like that, that's having problems that way, like just, Jesus, talk to your mother or father or talk to, give me a ring if you want. I don't mind. Talk to anyone. Just get it out of your system. You know, just get it out. Yeah. It has to be, you have to, you just can't keep things inside your head. And if you do, it's going to lead to more bigger problems. And yeah. for, for the older people, of course, like, I mean, it's nearly the same same thing, I suppose. I suppose everyone's going through a tough time at the moment, but um, I definitely wouldn't be, if there's anyone out there that was always doing exercise, I wouldn't be giving it up like I'd be kind of doing it. <laughs> I don't know about doing this a bit more, but I'd definitely be getting out there and doing something, walking or, or, or something like that, just to clear their head, you know, because it's not easy at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and oh, yeah, and on the celebrate yeah. family members there. Well, look, yeah. I mean... I'm only 50% of what, without my wife, I wouldn't be 100%, but I have to say, um, my, if I was if, it, if I was here and I didn't, I was tired after working and I didn't want to go for a run, she, my Emma pushed me out the door and she said, look, get out there and do your run, you know, and and then when I come back, I'm, you know, I feel fresher and, and all that, but she knows and she's been, from the day I met her, she's so, been so supportive to me in the running and I don't think every man would be as lucky. And my mom, of course, between the, between the two of them, I think, look, at I, I think they're the two best women in the world anyway, but I suppose, look, at everyone have their favourites, but they're, they're definitely my biggest supporters anyway. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, my kids and, and my brother, all my family, uh, kind of family orientated here. So I, I, I'm very close to, close to everyone here. Yeah. Michael, no. you're, you're, you're a brilliant, I can see you're a brilliant dad, you're a brilliant husband. Um, You've been a brilliant member of the Irish running community and certainly the, the mountain running community as well. So, Michael, a big, big thank you for, for sharing that story with us. And I'm sure it will help a lot of people that are listening. And if anybody is listening and might need a bit of help, please, please, please don't be afraid to reach out. Michael's very, very generous and very kind of yeah. his time. Or even just, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Or even just take out your phone and Google google alcoholism google depression and lots of different supports will come up on your phone and do make a call and do talk michael it's been an absolute pleasure and good luck with your running and michael fingers crossed that you never know we might see each other at a masters irish team over the next couple of years in turkey or poland i'm sure let's bring the kids and the ladies along with us as well yeah perfect Don. thanks very much and just one thing i just wanted to say before i go if it's okay with you all yeah Uh, absolutely um look at He's not part of my family. He was, I was just, there's, there's a guy I'd like to dedicate the podcast to. I mean, I'm in the horse industry myself. I'm a bloodstock agent by trade. So there's just a guy, he's, he was involved in the horses and looking playing soccer, all that kind of stuff there. And he's in the early 20s there. And about two, two months ago, he took his own life. And it's left kind of the, the whole parish in in in. in like all these friends, uh, I I just see my Facebook there sometimes, and and they don't really know what to, they don't know what to think or of it all. So I just I just like to say that, like, because I'm sure to be a lot in the local locality listen to the, listen to the podcast. Um, I like to dedicate the podcast to this this chap, um, um, Robert Williams is the chap's name, and I'm going to dedicate the podcast to, to him. So. Just, just, yeah. and be supportive to all the young kids around here as well. That's, that's one of the reasons. Yeah, our, our love and support um, to Robert and all his family, Michael, absolutely 100%. That goes that's out great. to him. 
Thanks okay. very much. Thanks very much. Owen, and thanks, thanks very much. And I'll be listening to your podcast in the future. And thanks for everything. Michael, we'll keep in touch and we'll talk again soon. Take care. Bye, Bye, Bye. Thank you.